Thank you, my friend. Isn't it's good to know? Uh, you know the the thing I love. One of the things I love about that, Greg, is um, is that you're still open to new things that the Lord's doing. You know that we don't get to a certain age uh, where it's like, well, we got it all figured out, and this is how it all works, and we just we kind of fit God in our schedule, and uh, this is this is how it goes. It's like he 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 does something, and then he gives you. Uh, he gives you joy in it too. I know Greg and Josie have both shared that this is this is one of the things they look forward to almost every day. You know, it's like, hey, they get to do this together, and it's it's not a burden. It's not like, oh my gosh, we told the Lord we would do this, so we better do it so we don't go to hell, or you know, <laughs> or he doesn't. I don't want him to be upset. No, it's it's when God calls you to it, He's going to give you grace and strength, and and there's going to be some joy in it. There's going to be something that, that excites your heart. And, you know, there's going to be fruit. There's going to be something where you, you see God begins to do things. Uh, he doesn't always do it the way we want to do it, but he, he does things. And so also, praise the Lord, it's good to hear testimonies about people not dying, right? <laughs> Some, they only tell you on the news of who does die, not who doesn't. Not the ones who walk out of the hospital who weren't supposed to. And so it's a good reminder. We want to be listening to what, what Jesus is saying. So um, so good. I, man, it's so good already. I don't even know if I can add to that, but I will. Uh, turn to Revelation 1, <laughs> since we have time. Uh, <laughs> oh, what pastor ever passed up the opportunity to preach, right? Um, <clears throat> Revelation 1. Revelation chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 9. This is just the beginning of the book of Revelation. As I said last week, the book of Revelation is really a book about worship. It's not so much a book about the end times, although it does talk about what appears to be some of those things that could happen at the very, very end and give signs and what God's going to be doing. But ultimately, Jesus is going to be, going to be glorified. He's going to be, like we sang in all these songs, reigning forever. That's really that's really the end game. That's that's where everything is headed is like all glory to Jesus. And so, you know, when we worship, you know, we're just it's like a it's a declaration of faith that Jesus is who he says he is and that this world and this, you know, all of creation is going to where God says it's going to be. It's going to all revolve around his throne, around his, his character, around his purposes, his desires, his kingdom. And so that's why worship is so important because it lines us up with reality. It lines us up with, with truth. And so I want to read some things from uh, Revelation, and we're just going gonna, gonna to dig in here just a little bit into this section of Scripture. So John, uh, excuse me, John, Revelation verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Thank you, Lord, for opening the Word to us as we read it. It says, I, John... Your brother and companion in the suffering or the affliction or the tribulation, depending on which translation you have, and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. If you didn't know, the Apostle John was, instead of killing him uh, because... Tradition says they tried to and it didn't work. 
Okay, I don't know if that's true. Could be just a story. Uh, it's a cool story, though. Um, there's, there's some evidence of early fathers writing about that. But whether it's true or not, for some reason, they decided not to, we're not going to kill you. Because maybe they just noticed that every time they killed a follower of Jesus, like the church like got better. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the church growth method uh, in the book of Acts is a lot different than ours, right? <laughs> Nobody writes a book about that one, right? (laughs) So, but it's working around the world. So, they decide to banish John. They say, we're not going to kill you because that's not working. So, we're just going to, we're going to put you on a, on an island and you're going to be in isolation. And so, John is, he's banished to the island of Patmos, uh, and a lot of times they'd put prisoners out, you know, kind of in, instead of in you know, locked up, innermost cell. What is that called when you're locked up in solitary confinement? Thank you. Uh, instead of that, they just go, you know, solitary confinement on some island. So uh, that's what's happened to John. And so while he's on that island, <laughs> God's like, now I'm going to give you something amazing. <laughs> oh, isn't it isn't cool how God works? Like you feel like you're in the place where, oh man, it's it, this is the worst place I could be. And, and Jesus shows up and says, Guess what? I've got something for you right here. I wanted to get you on this island by yourself so I could speak to you. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get you out of your routine so I could speak to you. So he says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum. Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you've seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We're not going to talk about that today, just in case you're wondering. So um, what we are going to talk about is, is a few things here related to worship. But first, I want to start off and talk about this first section and talk about some of the things that are ours in Jesus. Don't you like talking about some of the things that are ours in Jesus? The things he gives us? Number one is this, affliction. I set you up. It's in the Bible. Affliction, suffering, and tribulation, depending on the translation that you're reading. 
John says that. Your companion in these three things that are, are ours in Jesus. You may got a Sharpie. <laughs> I want to color that one in. Just like, what does that say? I can't read it. Oh, it must not be that important. Uh, man, John, I mean, the, the early church, they knew that part of this life, we're going we're gonna to suffer through some things. There's going to be affliction that comes at us into our lives. There's going to be tribulation. I mean, look, we've, I get it, and I'll probably harp on this all the time, so I'm, I apologize for... No, I don't apologize. I'm not supposed to do that. <clears throat> if it seems like harping, it's not, but it's like we, in the United States of America, like we do everything to avoid pain. Like anything we can do to avoid pain, we, you know, whether that's turning to addiction, addictive behaviors, whether that's just, you know over-medicating, whatever it is, you know, whether any kind of, you know, drowning ourselves in entertainment or something where we just zone out just so I cannot feel, uh, being distracted by whatever it, it may be, consuming ourselves with something to try to, try to stop uh, what's going on. And when, when Jesus is calling us to sometimes just embrace it, to embrace the experience of the suffering in this life that Jesus went before us and says, hey, part of my life on earth was to suffer. Doesn't mean we don't believe for healing. Doesn't mean we're not believing that God doesn't, you know, wants us to stay sick or any, any of those things. But the reality of this life is, John says, this is one of the things that's ours in Jesus is tribulation. I mean, John knew it, too. He's, he's been banished on an island, and he's probably, you know, they don't just gently set you out on the island. They probably knock you around a little bit before they, they set you off. And, you know, he is, he is suffering for why? For the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. In other words, the affliction that came into his life was not self-affliction. It wasn't because that happens in our lives, right? I do something stupid. And I pay the price, right? You know, if I choose to eat like I'm 16 still, I might pay the price. I know I look like it doesn't matter, but I still might pay a price. <laughs> the price might not be weight gain, but it might be something else that feels worse. So I cannot eat a whole bag of Cool Ranch Doritos anymore. <laughs> Those were great days, though. That was so fun. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. But some of the, some of this is self-affliction. But there's many times, but John, what John's talking about here is, he says, this is because I live my life unto the Lord. And because as I was living my life, there were things that came into my life. There was opposition. There was people that, that came to hurt me. There's people that came to oppose me. There was physical suffering because I was living my life for Jesus Christ, because I was living my life as a, te you know, the testimony of Jesus. I was living according to the word of God. And so when we find ourselves in a place, you know, it's just we need to ask the Lord, you know, first of all, if it's self-inflicted, self-inflicted affliction, 
then we can say, okay, then maybe there's something we need to deal with in our hearts and our lives. We need to lay down, something we need to repent of, something we need to set aside. But if it's not, then we need to embrace it and say, Lord, I welcome this because I'm following you. And I'm willing to pay this price on this temporary earth for, for an eternity that lasts forever. You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, uh, Dave actually referenced this. I love it when people reference the scriptures that you're about to read uh, in your message. So that's always like a good confirmation. But Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Uh, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that this life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Wow. So then death isn't at work in us, but life is, in, is at work in you. And, there, and it goes down to the end to verse 16. It says, therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles or afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, sometimes we fix our eyes on the unseen, and we're talking about, like, believing God for miracles and faith, and that certainly is relevant, and we believe in that. But in this context, fixing our eyes on what is unseen is this. I am going through the trial of my life right now, but I choose to put my focus on eternity and the glory that will far outweigh the suffering and affliction in this life that I am temporarily experiencing, even if that temporary thing is really long. You know, when I had a surgery, uh, when I was 18 years old, I had jaw surgery. I, I paid the doctor to break my jaw, and, and no, actually my parents did. We paid him thousands of dollars, and so they broke both my jaws and rearranged my bite because I had a severe underbite. I could stick my pinky uh, in between my bottom teeth that were sticking out on my front teeth, so I could stick my whole finger in. Uh, it's not pretty fun. So it was 1.1 centimeters. So they broke both my jaws, and, it, you know, I don't recommend this, by the way. Uh, if you don't have to do it, please don't. Uh, but so I had the surgery, you know, you're, you know, you go through the surgery, and it's the only time I've ever actually stayed in the hospital. Oh, my gosh. Don't ever want to go back there. <laughs> uh, staying in the hospital is not fun. So remember those who are, when someone's there, think about what they're going through. I remember I had to, I had my mouth wired shut, so it was really hard to talk, super hard to breathe. My nose is almost always stopped up, and then when you're, so I couldn't hardly breathe. So I'm like trying to breathe with my mouth full of stuff, and I can't breathe out of my nose and mouth. And I had to use a writing pad to communicate because I couldn't yet talk. And 
had to put a syringe in the back of my throat and kind of squeeze uh, Ensure. It just had come out, you know, that Ensure like shake things. They only had two flavors. You had to squeeze it in the back. It tasted so good to like have that go on my back. You know, if you thought I was skinny now, whoo, I lost like 15 pounds in one day. Uh, and I'm like 10 pounds or 15 pounds heavier than I was when I started that surgery. Um, <laughs> and so I remember writing, my mom was there, and I wrote on my, on my pad, I said, I changed my mind. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I mean, isn't that how we feel sometimes when we get into, like, we get, we get into following Jesus and we don't realize, wait a second, hold on. <laughs> I changed my mind, Lord. Is this what this means? <laughs> The preacher said my life would be amazing and everything would go well for me. <laughs> Wasn't this preacher? <laughs> try to I try to I try to advertise the other side. You're going to it's going to be the hardest thing you ever did in your life, but it's going to be good following Jesus. So when we get in the middle of things, I know we sometimes would be like, "Man, we changed our mind," but if we can change our perspective to eternity, if we can fix our eyes on what's unseen, man, there's, there's, there's so much more than just right now. There's so much more than just right now. And Jesus is working in everything that we go through. He says, there will be a glory that far outweighs anything we will suffer in this life. Fix your eyes on the glory to come. Fix your eyes on what is unseen. He also says that we have a kingdom. Thank goodness that this one's in here uh, in the middle. That God says, hey, we have a kingdom. There is a, a reigning king that we are a part of a victorious parade that's going on. A this is a resurrection parade since Jesus was risen from the dead. It's really a big party until he comes back. It's a party that people are opposing us in, that they're coming at us with everything. There's, it's a party that's also a war. It's a battle that's going on, but it's still a celebration because we are aligning ourselves under the king of every king. And so we've inherited a kingdom. And so be confident in that kingdom. And it says this, number three, is and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. You know, First Thessalonians uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.3. If we could read let's, read, let's look at that one together. It says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the one main reason that people give up is that they lose hope. If you give up on anything, you... You know, you most likely have lost hope. You're like, it's just, there's no, nothing's ever going to change, so I'm just going to give in to this. And so we are called to a walk of endurance. We are called to a, a life of saying, I'm not going to give up because I have hope. And what people need right now, we need hope in our world, Right? We need someone who has some hope, who doesn't have an outlook that says, oh, wow, this is going to be horrible. No, it may be horrible on earth, but it's going to be horrible, but I have Jesus with me. 
It's going to be horrible, but Jesus is still going to show up and do amazing miracles. Jesus is going to bring supernatural encouragement. He's going to give supernatural grace to me to walk through this, that I'm going to have the endurance I need, that I am going to finish well. You know, we don't have to have like a just a, you know, like athletes have a prime season, right? They have like when they're in their prime, usually for most of us, you're like, I'm past my prime. Like I can't go back and try to make it to see if I can go make it into double A, you know, like could I could I have been good enough? It doesn't matter now. It's over. (laughs) Right. It's over, Jake. We ain't going back. Right. We're not going to I'm going to take a shot and trying to make it see if I could. You know, whatever that is, an athlete in their prime is usually in their in their 20s, uh, age 20. So if you're past your 20s, you're not in your prime physically anymore. Try to disappoint you all. Um, Some of you are like, the prime is so long ago, I forgot I had a prime. (laughs) The only prime I get is a prime rib. Okay. Um, (laughs) But your walk with Jesus there is no, there is no, there's no retirement. There's no, like, I was in my prime and now I'm just like, it's not as good anymore. No, you get to finish well. You get to be like Caleb in the Old Testament. It says Joshua and Caleb, of course, they were the only two spies that believed God when they first spied out the land. They still had to wait 40 years. Have you ever thought about that? That how did Joshua and Caleb not become bitter? You bunch of losers. Like, I'd been like, let's find a new nation, man. Like, these guys are nobody. Like, we can like start it out. Like, let's start our own deal. Like the Joshua and Caleb victorious march right here. We're going to go right in right now. Anyway, that's random. So, but Joshua and Caleb, it says they, they were the spies. Then they had to wait 40 years with everybody else, even though they believed the right thing and did the right thing, that God says, look, you're going to go with them. But when Caleb, it says they were 80 years old, so they were 40 when they went in, uh, and they were 80 when they finally went into the promised land. And what did Caleb say? He says, I'm as strong as I was then. Give me the land right now. And to me, that's a spiritual picture of our life in Jesus that we're never meant to like become feeble and weak and just kind of make it to the end. Like I'm just going to endure the I hope I can just make it through life and then I can just, you know, barely cross the finish line and make it to heaven. No, we're in our prime spiritually all the way to the end. You don't have to have a like, yeah, that was a great time I had in God. And then I was really following him and there's all this stuff happening. And then, but now, you know, it's, you know, you, you, you can't have that happen all the time. Why not? I'm not saying it's easy. We already talked about the not easy part, right? <laughs> so I'm not talking about being easy. I'm not talking about it, it not being a challenge. I'm not talking about not going through suffering. But I am talking about finishing well, finishing strong. When, I, when you go out of this life that you're like, I gave everything and I followed Jesus to the very end, to the, my very last breath, I was giving it all unto Him. I was serving Him. I was loving His people. I was loving the people that are still not yet His. I was giving of myself sacrificially. I was laying down my life for others. I was praying and seeking God. In, and I don't have to have just a season where I just cruise into eternity. So we have patient endurance where we are pressing on, where we're not giving up. You know, if you're, if you're giving up hope on anything, God is just saying today, 
Put your hope in me. Don't give up. That was the intro. <sighs> Let's just talk a little bit about worship here. Maybe this is two sermons, but I'm going to give them both. Uh, so John then has this revelation, and who shows up and meets John? It's Jesus, right? He says he has to turn around and see who it is. Like there's a guy that has a voice like a trumpet behind me, and he's like, what? "Who's that?" <laughs> Uh, I think the Bible's funny sometimes, the way it describes stuff. Uh, so I turned around and saw the voice that was speaking to me, and then he sees this, and he's like, whoa, that was more than I expected to see. Uh, and one like a son of man, that's a clue that it's Jesus there. He's walking through, and his, he has the revelation of his, you know, the brightness and the amazingness of what Jesus looks like. His, his feet are super glowing metal. Uh, his voice is like the sound of rushing waters. Uh, his face is shining like the sun. I mean, this is, this, is a, this is amazing. And what happens when when he sees Jesus? It says he falls down. You know, the way, if you're saying, I'm not really having stru- a struggle worshiping God, is you need a fresh revelation of who God is. Because every time you get a revelation of who God is, it draws you to worship Him. It's almost like you don't have a choice. You know, and almost every single one of us, we're probably not going to have this kind of encounter with Jesus. You know, this was for John. But I mean, I'm, not saying, I'm not limiting it. I'm just saying, like, there's all kinds of ways that you have encounters with Jesus. But, the first, but usually our first response when we encounter Jesus is going to be a response of awe. A-W-E. I'm going to be in awe of Him. You know, have you ever just, like, when God does something, you're just like, you don't even have to say anything. Like, notice John doesn't, doesn't say any words. He just falls down. He just, he just bows down and, and worships Him. I mean, throughout the Scriptures, there's, there's these encounters people have with Jesus, and they just, they're just amazed. They just, you know, when Jesus calms the wind and the waves with the disciples, it says they were like, oh! A little bit freaked out, too. Every once in a while, you should be freaked out by God. <laughs> there should be something that happens where it goes, whoa. I don't want to mess around here. Not, not in a bad religious way, but like in a, like a holy, pure way. Just like, well, Lord, you are, you are way different than me. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of like Ashley was sharing that story when she just tells somebody, you know, you're going to enjoy your life. And they fall over on the ground and they're, they're, they're on the ground for three hours. You're like, whoa, God, you, you have a lot more power than I do. You're a lot bigger than me. You, you have something that I don't, I don't have without you. And you, sometimes that awe should put a little bit of the fear in us, a good fear, the fear of the Lord, you know, where it's like, whoa. And that's what happens to John. He's like, whoa, Jesus. I, all I can do is fall down and worship him. All I can, it says he fell down as though he were dead. So I don't know if that was like, you know, he was like what we call him. We used to call slain in the spirit or not. I don't know. Uh, but he, he fell down. There was just an offering of worship. But, so there's one part of worship is awe. But the other part is this. It's intimacy. It says that Jesus reached down and he took his right hand. And he reached down and he took hold of John. And he, he lifted him up. 
Why is that important that it was his right hand? Well, what was in his right hand in the verses before? It says he was like holding the seven stars. And so whenever we encounter God in worship, there's going to be a sense of awe. There's going to be a sense of just worthy, you're glorious, God, you're amazing. I, I cannot believe I'm in your presence. I, I'm overwhelmed. I'm speechless. My, I don't have words for this. But then God comes and takes his hand, which can hold the stars. And then he says, I'm going to touch you. I'm going to reach down with my right hand. And I'm going to touch you. And I'm going to lift you up. And I'm going to bring you close to me. And so you've got awe and intimacy. What does he say? Don't don't be afraid. (laughs) And John's like, I don't know about that. (laughs) And Jesus then, what does Jesus do? He reveals further who he is. And he's clarifying who's speaking with him. Just in case you didn't know who I am. You know, of course, John saw Jesus on earth. But he didn't look like this. John got to see Jesus in all his glory. But even when Jesus was in all his glory, Jesus says, I'm, I will touch you. I will take my right hand. My strength and my glory it will come near you. Thanks for sitting on the front. Man. So we need both. We need both in worship. We need awe and we need intimacy. So I encourage you to ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. Ask for a fresh revelation. Ask for something. Maybe he'll scare you <laughs> in a good way. Maybe he'll get your, get your attention. I mean, this got John's attention. If he thought this island, you know, three-hour tour that he was on. <laughs> I've never taken a three-hour tour. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> Just too much uh, Gilligan's Island as a kid. I'm like, two, four, whatever. We're not doing three. Um, no three-hour boat tours. Uh, I don't know what John was thinking, like, hey, this is what's going to be, but Jesus says, we're going we're gonna to rock your world on this island. And so, I don't know, maybe God wants to rock your world where you feel like, hey, I'm all alone right now. Look for Jesus. What's he going to show up and do? What, what's he going to say? What's, what's he going to reveal about who he is to you? And how is he going to, you know, draw you to worship him maybe maybe you just need the intimacy part right now god knows what you need he knows when you need the awe he knows when you need the intimacy we need both because we need to have that healthy sense of the fear of the lord uh but if you notice in the old testament it says that moses feared god and he came close to him says the people feared God and they ran away and said, Moses, you go in and talk to him. That's too, he's too scary. <laughs> but Moses feared God and then he drew closer to God's presence. And so when you truly fear and honor God, you're going to want to get close to him. Because you know he's given an invitation. So let's stand. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for revealing things to us. Thank you for encouraging our hearts. Thank you for expanding our understanding, Lord. And so I, I just pray that you would give us a fresh revelation of who you are, God, that we might be drawn into a deeper place of worship by knowing you better, by experiencing who you are in a more full way. God, maybe it's experiencing you like we've never experienced you before. And so we pray, Lord, that the eyes of our our hearts would be opened. They would be enlightened to know you, to know the hope of your calling, that we might know you better. We'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And so we invite you to speak to us, Lord. We invite you to move in our hearts And we invite you to bring us to a greater level of awe and intimacy in our worship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite our leaders up. We are here to pray for you. If you need healing in your body, if you need to give your heart to Jesus, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you need to do that before you leave. You you should not leave this place and not have surrendered your life to Jesus. Uh, If you need, you know, family situation, And if not, come on up and get prayer. If not, be blessed and talk to David and Felicia about home group tonight if you're interested in joining them. So bless you all.